Before we begin the the message, I want to give another reminder about the 31 days of being calendar. I hope you're participating in this. Um, Today, because of the long night I had, I didn't put up today's video yet. I'll do that this afternoon. But um, this is each day of October, a different way to be. And these were the words that we began with for the month. Begin, become, be quiet, be still, be calm, and be prayerful. I hope that you were blessed by that if you participated. If you haven't, then go ahead. We have more copies of these around. I'll make more if we need them. It's also on the the church Facebook page. You can see it there. If you want to share it with someone, you're very welcome to. Um, And just let everyone else know that this is an effort to become more and more of who we are in God's sight and, and to draw to draw life from that truth. Because too often we think we have to do things in order to be in God's good graces. Like I was sharing with the kids, <clears throat> humanity has thought they had to give up something for God to like them or to pay attention to them or, or to do their bidding because, okay, I'll kill this, all right, now I'll do that for you. That's how they thought it was. And that's not it. We need to become what we truly are intended to be. And focusing on these words each day can help that. I did this in August just for my own life, and it was really blessing. So I hope it'll bless you too. One of the B words that's not on that calendar, I could have put it on, but I'll save it for the next one, I guess, is belong. We all long to belong. From the time you're born, you're first of all looking for your mother. You recognize her voice. You heard it from the womb. And there she is. Her eyes looking at you. And dad and siblings, if you're not the firstborn, familiar faces, familiar voices, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, neighbors. And as you grow, of course, the circle grows wider. But all along, we're all hoping that we belong among these people. And in a a healthy family structure that takes place. Sadly, sometimes the family structure is anything but healthy. And that sense of belonging isn't fulfilled just yet. And so we keep seeking it out and look for different ways and different people and different different groups to belong. People get puzzled why um, even very violent gangs are attractive to young men and young women. Why? Because they want a place to belong. They want a place where they're part of it. And as we grow and as we expand our wings out into education and in our community, we join baseball teams, we join choirs or plays, we get to be part of a group, we go to church, we fellowship with other people. Why? Because we want to belong. And then one day, if, if we're blessed, we look for someone that we can belong to as 
you know, our husband as our wife and we belong together and, and if God blesses us with children, great. And there's a belonging that's being created for them as well. But ultimately, <clears throat> we'll never be completely fulfilled in this sense of belonging until we meet Christ eternally. But he's there now too. He's here now. And we, we touch on it. We taste on it. We draw life from it. We draw joy, joy from it. We believe that we belong. We belong with him and he and us. The Apostle Paul had this same desire in his life. He wanted to belong. And his journey began as a young Jewish man. He was trained very well. He went to the best Jewish schools, taught the law. And eventually he joined the Pharisees because he wanted to belong to the people that were most obedient to the God they spoke about, most obedient to these rules that, that Moses had given you know, from that holy mountain many generations before. And now he is part of that and he wants to belong. And then when there was people that were out there claiming that there was a Messiah that he thought was a false Messiah named Jesus of Nazareth, he fought against them. And he belonged to a group that acted out violently and arrested believers in this Christ, what he thought to be the false Christ. And then when he's journeying to Damascus to arrest more Christians, the light from heaven comes and he's called to belong to something better, the way of Jesus. And he spent the rest of his life doing that and he suffered for it. Now, if, if you've looked at all here, been listening to the first chapter of Philippians, you recognize that he's talking about making reference to, not in much detail, but things that have happened to him. He's writing this toward the end of his life, or at least the part of his life that we know about from Scripture. He's sitting under house arrest in Rome, waiting a hearing before Caesar. And so he has all of these memories, all of these stories, and he doesn't share them specifically or in detail in this letter in Philippians, but to fit in here with the first chapter, to just understand in, in a deeper way what Paul's referring to when he says, what happened to me? Because he wrote about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And in that context and that part of that writing, he is addressing a problem with people making silly judgments about other apostles compared to Paul and who's the better apostle and the greater apostle. And Paul wants none of that. And he points that out in Philippians chapter 1. As long as they're preaching Christ, I don't care if they're jealous of me. The, the message is still getting through. That's all that matters. And he's doing something similar here in 2 Corinthians 11. But listen to what he says about what happened to him. This is, I'm going to pick this up in the middle of the 21st verse. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, <clears throat> I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. 
Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. That's Paul's story. Suffering, pain, persecution, beatings, all of that. And yet, now we'll come to our passage this morning in this part of Philippians. For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Now, the deliverance he speaks of there is what is going to happen when he finally goes before Caesar with this appeal about this, this charge of causing a riot in Jerusalem about two years ago at this point. Notice here what I underlined there, spirit of Jesus Christ. That's the only time you'll find that phrase in all the Bible, that exact wording, spirit of Jesus Christ. And it shouldn't throw us off because we are as Christians, believers in the Trinity, that God has mysteriously revealed himself to us in Father, Son, and Spirit, coexistent eternally. We can't fully explain it, but we know it's true. It is a paradox of the faith. And so the Spirit of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit working through Jesus Christ. So don't let that throw you off to see that phrase, but it's, it's just the fact that he uses that depth there, how much, how deeply God is, is helping him in Christ. The Spirit is helping him in Christ. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed and that I will continue to be bold for Christ. So all of the things that he has suffered, it's probably about 25 to 30 years that the things he described in 2 Corinthians happened over a period of 20, 20 to 25 years. And he is about, probably in his mid-60s at this point, so he's, I'm, I'm about his age. I'm going to turn 64 in a couple of weeks. So, so, so Paul's not old. Right. <laughs> no, not my age. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And yet in his, in his culture... The age expectancy was much lower than ours, 
Nonetheless, there was many people even in his day, and we have it recorded in Scripture, that lived much longer, even in New Testament times. Um, John, for example, many scholars believe that John, uh, the disciple, lived into his 90s. Um, so he's not old, old, and yet you couldn't blame the man if he said, you know what, I think I've had enough now. <laughs> Can I go home? <laughs> Beatings and shipwrecks and floggings and arrest and prison, etc. And yet, look at his attitude. For I, verse 20, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ. Continue to be bold. He's ready, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. Is that your goal? To bring honor to Jesus Christ with your life. Not just how well you teach if you're a teacher, how well you preach if you're a preacher. That's part of it. I mean, for me, that's my calling. But that, even with me, that's not the whole thing. In fact, <clears throat> the more important message that I give to the world, to my neighbors, to my community, to my, to my home, is Jesus in me, is the spirit of Christ Jesus in me, making a difference in my attitude, in my character, in my relationships, in my decisions, in my demeanor. I don't do it perfectly, but I, that, is, that is my hope, that is my prayer, that I will bring honor to Christ Jesus with my life. I hope that's your desire too. And again, it's not the doing thing. It's not this list of you check all the boxes off and now you're a super Christian. Send your application to, you know, Pearly Gates Street um, 777. You know? <laughs> no, that, that's not it. It is to become, and, and so much of, of our becoming is, is a letting go of. Or sometimes it's just get out of the way. Do you ever get in your own way? <laughs> Do you ever look back and say, well, oh, Paul, what'd you do that for? You should have known better. Yeah. <laughs> and you try better the next time. And the good news is that God's kind of <clears throat> sitting there with you, standing there with you, whatever, in you, shaking his head too, but not in a condemning way. Okay? He's, he's sort of, if you're able to laugh at yourself about your, your mistakes, then God's laughing with you. And that's like, all right, let's keep going. Don't give up. Move on from that. If you have something to fix from it, okay, let's fix it. We'll do it together. But don't kick yourself. Am I kicking you? Am I rejecting you? Am I holding you down? Am I condemning you? This is the voice of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ. And yet, some, what do we do with ourselves? We condemn ourselves. At least that's what I do. The, the, the voice of condemnation that is loudest in my life is, is my own. And, I, and I'm sure many of you have been there too. So let's let go of that. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved. You are forgiven, you are forgiven, you are forgiven. Now get to work on being. And that's what brings honor to Christ. And then he says the most 
familiar words in the first chapter, I think. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. This translation, by the way, is the New Living Translation I used up here. The NIV is more familiar. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So same thing. And we'll come back to that in a moment. <clears throat> but again, look at his attitude now, verse 22. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Remember that list? <laughs> He's asking for more. <laughs> and, and because he knows that there's lives that need to be changed, there's people that can be affected and influenced and helped and guided and transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's looking for. That's what he's... he's hoping for in them. That's what he wants to share from his teaching, his preaching, his leading, his starting of churches. By the way, in all of that time, though all of those years, Paul traveled. And you, you read about the missionary journeys of Paul. Um, scholars came up with an approximate um, distance that Paul traveled during all, all those years. 10,000 miles. And he walked. He didn't ride a horse or a donkey or any other beast of burden. He walked. In fact, even when he was converted, it makes for a more dramatic story that when he's on, he's riding on his horse to Damascus and then the bright light comes and the horse goes, and he flies off and hits his head. You know, that, that looks great for a movie, but it doesn't say that in Acts that there was a horse that he got knocked off of. Okay. But Paul walked 10,000 miles during all those years. I mean, that's, that's better than Forrest Gump going back and forth across the country, you know? That's a lot. He started at least 20 churches during those years and, and suffered all along the way. And he wants to keep going because he wants to keep the message going. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. I underlined a few key lines here. I should have done that one. The joy of your faith. Is your faith a joy? Ask yourself that right now. Are you enjoying faith in Jesus? I told you after my sabbatical that one of the ways that God worked on my heart was to, was to get rid of the tasks or at least looking at my connection and relationship with God as he's my taskmaster. I have to do, 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 do things. And I got my list and I'm checking it twice. You know, but, and that's why I came up with the Believe calendar so to, to be calendar so I can learn to be, not just do. And so... I understand um, what getting too busy can do to us. The things that we used to enjoy, we don't enjoy as much because it just starts to feel like one more task to get done. So if you're able to step back, if you're able even just for a little bit or over a period of time and step away from yourself enough to objectively look at your life 
and say, do I really need all of this? I know I'm too busy. I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to let go. And that's where you should have at least one trusted friend in your life who can help you through that process. Who can, you can go to him or her and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I got too much going on in my life. What do you see in me that you think I should let go of? What do you see in me that I should you know, refocus on and, and keep? And, and let them help you with that process. So you can have the joy of your faith. And for me anyway, that was my joy robber. To, to look at, at everything as a task and, and, and a doing. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus. There, there's that, that idea of that I'm, I'm honoring God because of what he is doing through me. Now that first line I underlined there, I am convinced that I will remain alive. It's just interesting historically because I mentioned a moment ago that Acts, the book of Acts, ends abruptly with Paul in house arrest in Rome waiting trial before Caesar. And then it stops. And we don't have the rest of the story. There are other historical records of some sort that are a little sketchy that try to fill in the blanks, but they don't all tell the same story. Some believe he got killed by Caesar. In just a few years later, maybe just a few months after he wrote Philippians. Some believe that he went to Spain. Others believe he went back and visited all the churches again. We, we don't know for sure, okay? But this, I think, is a hint. I am convinced that I will remain alive. He says that. Did God give him that? I think that spirit of Jesus he's mentioned a moment ago, I think that means he's convinced that he's going to get through this Caesar thing and be free again, and he's going to keep going. But don't know for sure about that. But lastly, I want to go back to that one central verse. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. So I said Paul was in his 60s at this point. And in the context of his time, he was old. But also in terms of the mileage, literally, <laughs> and the experiences he had, he was, could have been very worn down. And so there is part of him that's saying, wow, it would be great to walk away from this world after all I've done and, and go into glory with Jesus. That'd be awesome. But I think I still hang out here. I'll hang around here a little bit longer. And that's his attitude. When I was a kid, they would use this verse, and as, as a young man, I hear it frequently as well. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Then you get this idea that this world's an awful place. Heaven's wonderful. It's glorious there. I can't wait to get there. And they'll sing songs about that, and the preacher would preach about it. And, and I'm thinking, well, okay, I'm glad for heaven. I believe in it. And, you know, when, one day when I die, hopefully not soon, but okay, that's where I'll go. But this stuff about this world is awful and terrible, and I just want to get out of it and escape. Well, not really. Not yet. I, there's some good things in this world. I, I want to I live here. I don't need the escape hatch. And that's true, because 
maybe, maybe you are closer to that point in your life. And I don't mean places of depression and places of anxiety and that kind of thing. I mean, if, if you've, you just kind of know it's your time, you know. Um, I often mention my, my elderly parents and 94 years old and they're still, they're still living on their own for the most part. And my mom said after her birthday last year, she said, you know, I think this is going to be my last one. But she said it in such a calm voice. Like, yeah, I'm ready. And we talked a little bit more about that, um, just, just her and I one day. It was, it was really very reassuring and comforting to hear that from my mother. You know, just her assurance about it. And she was almost capturing this same thing. For me, dying's better. But living's okay, too. So what I'm trying to say here this morning is that this is Paul's attitude and we don't have to think that if we don't feel that way, then we're missing something. We're not doing it right. That we're you know, looking more forward to heaven than anything good about this world. There's a lot of good about this world. There's a lot of good that we can and should do and become in this world. And although it's filled with trouble, it's also filled with beauty. And let's not lose sight of the beauty. Let's not lose sight of the possibility. Let's not lose sight of, of bringing the positivity we see in a book like Philippians into the here and now today and, and be the first one to do so. If you are around negative people, bring in a little bit of positivity. And if you're around negative people too often, well, then find some positive people to be around because they will influence you. Maybe you can't control that. Maybe your job setting is negative all the time. Find some positive people. Tomorrow night, men, we're just going to be a positive group right here. Amen, Jason? Amen. That's right. <laughs> Woo! The positive apostles. There you go. Oh, oh. oh good. Put that on a t-shirt. I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But isn't that what you want? To... to Hold on to the hope of eternity. That is our hope. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If, if, if I drop over tomorrow, I'm with him. Praise God. But right now, it's not just that there's work to do. There's life to be lived. There's joy to be experienced. There's faith to be shared. There, there's, you know, I got, I got grandchildren. There's food to be eaten. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Amen. Don't be afraid to enjoy it. God gave that to us. It says in James, every perfect good and every perfect gift is from God. In other words, everything good about this world, truly good, was God's idea, God's design, God's, God's origination. This is what he wants for us. So I'm not quite where Paul was when he wrote this, Apostle Paul, but I understand it's hard. And sometimes you want to just say, that's enough. But focus back on the positive. Focus back on the good. And God will help us to become the positive apostles <laughs> that uh, he's called us into. In a moment, we're going to go to um, share the, in the table once again. <laughs>